Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In with your hosts, Megan Myers and Steffi Predmore. This week, we're chatting with our friend, Susanna Brinkley-Henry, about typography. Stay tuned. Hey, Megan. Hey, Steffi. So I have a really uh, borderline shameful admission I need to make to our listeners. All right, do tell. And that is that I got a I I downloaded the TikTok app on my phone, <laughs> and which I I guess technically means I got a TikTok account. Although to say I got a TikTok account makes it sound like I am actually using TikTok for anything besides stalking what other people are doing, which I'm not. Uh, but yes, I I am now one of the olds on TikTok. On the TikToks. I am an old on the TikToks, but I, so I downloaded it for two reasons. One, because I do work in this space in influencer marketing and I was like, okay, I really should probably better understand this in case I have clients who are interested in this, blah, blah, blah. Then the second reason I got it is because my, I've had a couple friends who were like, this is the best algorithm I've ever encountered. I think Brandy, our friend Brandy said it last time that she was on the podcast. My friend Bethany has said it to me. They're like... The minute you like something, TikTok's like, I'm going to show you more things like that. And then sometimes they'll throw in something else like, I think you're going to like it. And you're like, I do like this TikTok. Thank you very much. And motherfucker, if that is not the goddamn truth, I need all these other social platforms to get on board with whatever algorithm TikTok is using because it fucking works. I mean, okay, so I'd be fine with that if Instagram did that for their reels. Yes. However, I really still just want chronological order back for well, Instagram and Facebook. That. That's yes. all I really want. Yes. Out I want of all the, the features. Things I follow. Yes. For the people I follow, I want chronological shit back. And then mm-hmm. for like, if I'm going to go like check out new things, it's like, I think you might like this new thing. I want it to actually be a thing I'm going to like. Yes. I do think too actually... Much I've been watching reels more often, and I do think they're pretty. Well, it depends, because when I first opened it, it was like a lot of people's doodle videos, doodle being the dog, um, which was very wrong for me, uh, aside from the (laughs) fact they're dogs. Um, But then as I liked a few more reels, I was getting other things that were kind of related. But the other problem that I see with Reels, and I don't know if this is the same problem with TikTok, is that a lot of people do the same kind of video where they use the same music or the same uh kind of concept. And I end up seeing that over and over and over. And that drives me insane. Like, I don't want to see the same thing. I am done. Please do not show me any more feta pasta. Oh, so I'm not much gonna feta make pasta. it. I don't need to see any more of it. I don't need to see <laughs> variations of it. If I wanted to make pasta, I would just make it. I don't need to see everyone baking their feta. <laughs> Thank you. Let's move on. Or doing the like, what's the fucking nature cereal where it's literally just berries and coconut water? Like it's just fruit, guys. The fuck out of here with that shit. It's a bowl of fruit. Literally a bowl of fruit. You I'm fine with you eating a bowl of fruit, but just have a bowl of fruit. Have a bowl of fruit. It's stop called fruit salad. It, stop calling it nature cereal. Like, stop. Oh. Yeah. I, cereal I has that. a very specific meaning to it. And it's grains. You're ruining it. Words mean things. <laughs> it's like a literal definition, you guys. Uh, it's fine. Anyway, this is see, this is why we're the olds if we get on TikTok. <laughs> We're like, use a dictionary, youngsters. Get off my internet lawn. Ah! Anyway, <laughs> what's new with you? Oh, uh, I finally hung some stuff up on my wall behind my television. Yes. Uh, I, we, what, we've lived here for six months, and right when we moved in, I hung up a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a space behind our TV that I was just kind of creatively blocked by Uh it's a very tall we have very tall ceilings so it was a big empty wall and we 
decided not to mount the TV. And so I was just trying to figure out what the heck to do with that space. And I finally got some a picture, um, a canvas print of a an Austin artist that I really liked. And a couple like frame shelf things that you can put plants on. And it looks really cute. And I'm really happy with like a finished area now like i feel like that room is like fully decorated in at least on the walls it's truly amazing what that can just like kind of do for you yeah and it also makes me think of i have a few friends that i follow on the internet and their walls are just completely empty and i have a lot of questions about that i don't get it i have a lot of stuff on my walls and to the point where I'm like kind of starting to run out of wall space unless I start to get creative. And I don't know. I mean, I like having stuff on my walls. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. It, I don't know. Maybe if they're just really into the minimalist theme, maybe you don't want to put holes in your walls. Maybe it's just too much of a thought to like hang stuff, which I get. But um, it just makes it feel too much like you're in a hotel room or an apartment instead of your actual house i like art on my wall i don't know me too i mean i hung up stuff when i lived in an apartment too makes you feel like i'm in a dorm room when there's nothing on the wall although i also hung i put a lot of crap in my dorm room (laughs) (laughs) thank god for command strips yeah i mean even hotels have art on the wall so it's ugly art but it is still art that is true it's fine well I don't know about everyone else, but one of the things that has come from working on and with websites for many years is paying attention to what fonts are used, both the good and the bad. I still don't understand them, but I sure do have a visceral reaction to the bad ones. So to help us explain why we hate Comic Sans and curls with a Z, we've invited back our graphic designer friend, Susanna Brinkley-Henry. Welcome back, Susanna. Hello. How are you guys? We're good. Good. What have you been up to since the last time we had you on? Um, not hanging art on the walls of my new house. So, <laughs> <laughs> I am sitting here in a room with literally a calendar on the wall, and that's all. You so, just moved in a few months ago, though. Like, not that long ago. I did. Technically, the art is all stacked up in my guest room, which is the room next to me. So it's, like, I'm near it. <laughs> but it's just <laughs> not on the walls yet. <laughs> That's it's fine. ready to go. It's just waiting. It is. you have like, a moment. <laughs> yeah, I haven't decided what's going where yet and like what I might want to get rid of and donate. So. And you also got a lot of like new furniture and stuff when you moved into the house because you moved into a bigger space. So because yes. Megan, like she didn't really have to get anything new when she moved into the new house, except for like some a couple things. So I feel like for her, she already had a lot of her art, whereas like. Maybe you need to figure out what's going to look good with your beautiful new green chairs or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. I just have to decide. I think I might, I'm going to try to source some new things. It just feels like a good time for a change. Some of the prints that I've had, I've had for 10 years. I'm like, do I still love this? Maybe it's time to Marie Kondo and let it go. Do you know? bring me joy? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> that happened when we moved from our first house to our second house. We had a bunch of stuff where I was like, I don't really like this anymore. It's ready for it to go. My husband's like, what's wrong with this picture? And I'm like, it's time for it to go. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't do anything for you anymore. It's time for something yeah. new. Yeah. I feel that. So let's jump right in. What exactly is typography and why should we care? Okay, this is so much fun for me. My favorite class in college was actually Typography 101 and 201 and 301. Like, there was a whole bunch of them. So it was my favorite class. I got to be such a nerd. (laughs) So (laughs) um, it's it's the study of the design of letters and how you arrange them in a way that conveys what, you know, whatever you're trying to say, your text, um, in a clear, legible, visual, appealing way. So... It is the study of, like, literally the letter forms, how the Y curves underneath, you know, the V shape of the Y or, or where the crossbar of the capital A sits. Like, it's, it's the little tiny pieces of the letters that you haven't thought about since the first grade when you learned how to draw them. <laughs> like, it's all of that. 
And it's how, you know, much spacing goes in between them and how the, they work in a word, um, how they work in a paragraph, how the paragraphs sit on a page. So it's, it's starting small with the letter forms and then working toward a bigger visual reading experience that nobody ever has to think about. The whole point of good typography to me is making it seamless so that the everyday reader has no idea what typography is because it just works. Yeah, I don't find myself sitting around. I mean, unless I see a font that's just like egregiously ugly, I don't sit around thinking about typography very much. And so that's fair. I just, I, I, you know, I just don't even, I never even thought about it as that much of like, because it sounds like it's almost as much science as it is art in some ways. Yes, there is a lot of like a lot of math and numbers that go into calculating just little things like how much spacing goes between an A and a V. We call that kerning. There's a name for that. K-E-R-N-I-N-G. Kerning. Um, so it's, that's the measure of this, how much space goes in between letters. And that's very mathematical. And there's arguments to how you know how much math goes into it but it's also very visual because you want to make sure it just looks good and doesn't like you know catch your eye as being weird yeah that makes sense so what is the difference between a typeface and a font they are similar things so a it goes back to the letterpress days so a typographer as they would be called would be the person who's putting the each individual letter in the letterpress arranging it backwards um, you know from right to left and then the they would ink it and then roll the paper through so that's what the typographer would do and they would have a room full of drawers and you've probably seen these drawers at the antique store they and sometimes you see them even on people's walls. I actually have one in the next room that needs to go on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> They're great for displaying trinkets. Yeah, I've seen them. They are really cool. So they're, um, I don't know, about a yard-ish wide. And they have all these little compartments of different sizes. And each compartment had letters in it. So like each one would have like, you know, lowercase a, lowercase b. Each one would have a different letter. And they would arrange them where the upper, what they call the uppercase letters, which are what we call uppercase letters up top and the lowercase letters down below, like where they're working. So they could just, you know, if they needed a capital letter, they reach up. If they need a lowercase letter, they reach down. So Shut that's the where fuck the- up. I literally never thought about this. <laughs> you are blowing my goddamn mind right now, Susanna. <laughs> so that's where those words come from. And they would um, each drawer would be a different font so the typeface would be if they were working with say the font garabond and they would the drawer that they would pick if they were working with 10 point type uh, which is the size we measure uh, letters in print in points and picas and then in on the computer we now use pixels kind of similar pixels and points are not quite the same, but that's just kind of how they've translated these days. So what well, 10 point type would be, 10 point Garamond would be the font. And then you would have another font that would be 12 point Garamond and 14. So you have all the different sizes. And another font would be like Garamond italic or Garamond bold in the different type sizes. So you would literally have a huge room full of all these different and they were really expensive they're all made of lead and so to be a typographer was an expensive work because you had all of this expensive equipment with all these little little teeny tiny pieces and I can't imagine doing it because you have to think backwards and that's hard for me so (laughs) (laughs) I was watching uh Outlander recently and there's like one point where they're they're like working with a printing press and I was thinking like oh my god that looks like such a terrible tedious job (laughs) my goodness they make it seem so fun and newsies 
Right. <laughs> but like yeah. you think about like, okay, even like let's say you're printing a newspaper that has like relatively few pages, like you would have had to put out each page like do each page, but then if you were doing like an actual book, my God, like it was forever. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like what? Oh my gosh. So I definitely was watching it thinking like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bananas. it's really tedious. Really fun. There was a letterpress at my college, and we got to play with the letter forms and, um, you, you know, using – you'd also have wood type as well. It was, I guess, a bit before the lead. Um, and, the, like, the wood, the wooden letters just have the most beautiful textures on them because you get, like, the the grain of the wood you know, that kind of comes off with the ink onto the paper. So it, it, you can create some really beautiful works of art and I totally understand why people go do that for their wedding invitations. Um, it's, it's just super expensive, especially because they don't really make printing presses anymore. So yeah. it's, um, it's an art for sure. That's crazy. So then, you know, we've got all of these different fonts within the font family. What types of fonts are, are there? There are, this is like a really big question because there's so, there's so many and if you don't know what you're looking for I think it'd be easy to be overwhelmed with all the different kinds of fonts so the most common ones that you'll see are serif and sans serif and the word serif in latin means foot so a serif font would be like courier or Times New Roman or something like that that has the little feet on the bottom of the letters and then the sans serif would be the ones without so more like Arial, Helvetica, Futura, all those ones that don't have any feet. They're more straight and modern. So those are like the two main types but then you can get really into the weeds with all kinds of other things. There's a slab serif where the feet of the serif are really big and bulky um, an example of that would be, like, there's a font called Memphis that is coming to mind right now, but not the usual person wouldn't know that one. Um, but they're, they're more really bulky. Anthropology is kind of a slab serif. It's a kind of a cross between, it's got thicker, thicker serifs on it. Um, but they're, they're kind of bigger and bolder. You'll see them used in... Um, newspapers sometimes uh, more for headlines or for like the title of the newsletter newspaper um, but you'll also see like the calligraphic fonts like the New York Times is, or the Washington Post they have those really beautiful what we call black letter calligraphy uh, so those are really beautiful too um, then you get you get into the display fonts and so those are the like the weird ones that don't really fit into a category like Jokerman or Papyrus they're like they're meant for one or two words, a headline, a logo, um, and those are both really terrible fonts. So, but <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> but said they... papyrus, and I had like a visceral, physical reaction. To yeah, it. <laughs> but they're not meant to like be a paragraph in a book. You know, they're um, they serve a different purpose, so they're more like display fonts. Um, and you also have your handwriting and script fonts too that are very popular these days um, very easy to make on the iPads you see a lot more people creating those um, and then within all of that you've got different weights so that's what we would call um, like the boldness of the font and there's a whole spectrum of how bold something can be so start out with like hairline or thin or book and those are all usually pretty pretty narrow and then you have the roman the regular kind of the middle of the road like kind of what you're used to seeing and then you get into the semi-bold the bold the ultra the extra like you can get really there's a really fat uh fun letters to me (laughs) when you get into those (laughs) big weights of course you like one that's called extra because you are extra o'clock as we always like to say (laughs) (laughs) i am yeah and then there's even within all of those in different styles and they go back to different areas of eras of history and um, they're like maybe humanist or grotesque or neo-grotesque. You just get into all these 
different types of things that go back to um, different points in time where different styles were popular. This is so interesting. So obviously there's a whole lot to choose from. How do you choose the right font? How do I know what's right for a project that I'm doing? Well, if you are working for a design or working with a designer, they should be talking to you about what you're trying to convey, who your audience is, what you, what you want to, um, how you want the final product to look. Is it going to be new, modern, or is it a little more old and traditional? Do you want something more rigid or and, um, traditional, or do you want to go a little bit more whimsical? Is it a logo? Is it a text? Do you need both? Where are you going to use it? Are, is your brand only online or your project only online? Or is it something that you're going to have printed? These are all different things to consider. And they, um, they all help you think about, the, or they help the designer that you're working with think about how they can pick the right font for you and get you what you want. And if you're designing for yourself, think about all those things too. There's a lot of nuance, but I still think if you're not a designer, there's totally a way you can pick some beautiful fonts yourself. So do you have favorite fonts or least favorite fonts? I know you have least favorite fonts. <laughs> right? <laughs> I do, I do. They're usually the, um, just the, the crap ones that came with like, my word when we were kids. Like, I've just come Anything to hate them. Anything that you would do in, like, word art is like, oh, no. <laughs> yes. Yes. The papyrus, uh, the curls MT, the Joker Mint. Joker Mint's truly terrible. I don't know if horrible. I even remember that font. I have to look it up. Oh well, it's like it's like it's trying to be a comedian, but it's a font, you know. It's oh, it oh, is bad. Really I can't remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Created in um, 1995. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like the 90s too. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> did Did you know that the um, designer of Comic Sans has actually issued an apology for making it? <laughs> I did see that actually. <laughs> It's, it's always cracked me up, but he, he was hired by Microsoft to make a font for a comic software like that. Like it was a design program where you could make your own comic and it needed a font. So he made that. And then Microsoft was like, Oh, we'll just like put this with word and Excel and PowerPoint and all the things. And then every fifth grade teacher everywhere was like, great. We love this. (laughs) This is fantastic. And here we are. But the the one thing I have been I have seen about Comic Sans recently is that it is like because the letters are irregular that it is really good for people who like struggle with dyslexia. Um uh, like it's harder to mix up the letters. Have you heard that? Yeah, that's true. Uh, all the letters are really different. Can't we come up with a better font for that? <laughs> like... I really I think that there are designers out there who are trying to solve that problem because the what it, we're taught in type design is to make letters that have sameness. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the the B, the D, the P, the Q. Mm-hmm. Those are all the same shape, just flipped and reversed and rotated. So we're taught to make them the same, mm-hmm. like, and the N and the M and the A, like, all of those have the U those also all have sameness so that's what we're taught and that has been the way for centuries yeah to make letters that are legible and have sameness but if you have a hard time reading and it and we've created with these with the sameness something that's hard to read that's a real problem yeah yeah I hadn't thought about that and until I, I saw it recently and I, I mean it makes total sense but I was also like oh can't somebody else come up with something better <laughs> like less ugly than comic sans for that come on <laughs> anyway yep for sure so favorite fonts and I have so many favorites and it really depends on the day but a font that I have loved for the last few years is Brandon Grotesque I see a lot of brands using it it's actually the font they use in the good place 
I know you guys love. It's yes. a beautiful font, but I also use it on my blog and I've been using it for a few years. And it's just one that I've, um, I've come to really love for its modern shapes. It's got a little bit of roundness, but it's also quite modern. It's just like a soft version of like Futura, which is very sharp. It's one of my faves. Um, but I think you can't really talk about fonts without, and favorite fonts, without talking about like a favorite designer or a favorite foundry. The, a foundry is like a book publishing company, but it's for fonts. So before there were computers, you would have to um, get catalogs from font foundries who are the type designers or groups of type designers who would be publishing their fonts and you'd have to, you know, order them. You can just download them because that wasn't a thing. Uh, so they were these publishing houses. Uh, but now that we have computers and the internet, there's so many font foundries out there. And I think it's been really, really amazing. Um, so one of my favorites right now is Latino type. So Latino type is uh, Latin American and they focus on creating fonts for that are inspired by Latin America. And if you think about the history of the world, a printing press is not something that they really had in Latin America. And so now with computers and these, a group of type designers down there is making uh, fonts that are inspired by their history, their culture, and they're making some really beautiful stuff. So that's one that I'm really loving. Um, there's another one called um, Vocal Type Co. by Trey Seals, and that is him. He's creating uh, fonts that are inspired by African American history, Black history, and really studying some of the forms of hand lettering and um, just even going back into Africa and studying, you know, migration patterns and, and the way that people were, were writing and learning to write. It's really, really fascinating, and I love the work that both of those font foundries are doing. I love this because, I, honest, honest to God, I'm not sure I've ever learned quite so much in an episode that we've done. Um, <laughs> I had not really considered like the designers, and because I love anyone that's friends with me for more than five seconds knows that I love supporting small like. Um, smaller artists and artists of color and I love having the art in my home and things like that but like it, it, you the idea that you can support like artists of color and designers of color and um, you know work that people are doing to promote their heritage like you can do that even down to the fonts that you're choosing for a project like that concept had not occurred to me until today. And yeah. I think that's so cool. Yeah, I think a lot of people, like, previously would just be like, I'm going to find whatever free font is available. Yeah. And not really, like, think deeper than what's free and pretty. Yeah, for sure. There's not a lot of diversity in design, which is, I, I, I hope it's changing. I, I think it's changing. Um, but I, I was reading on um, the Vocal Type Co. site, and they said that three to three and a half percent of all practicing designers in America are black. And that's a really horrible number. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we, if we can keep supporting these artists and designers by buying their fonts, not just like getting them from your friend or uh, finding them on some server somewhere, if we can support them and pay them. We can keep lifting them up. That's what I'm hopeful for. Yeah, the rest of us want to be paid for our work. Yes. Like, it's not really that radical of an idea to pay designers for their work. <laughs> and yet yeah. we're like, I'm going to go find my free font. Yep. There is this crazy story, if you ever want to Google it, and just read, like, something that should have been a reality show, but nobody knew about it because nobody pays attention to type designers, which is fine. Um, but a few years ago, this huge um, type foundry, a huge, I mean, their fonts are just really popular. Um, they're called, they were called Heffler and Pereira Jones. And the two guys that ran that were Jonathan Heffler and Tobias Pereira Jones. 
those are abusing names, by the way. And they did not sign a contract with each other. There's friends, and they started to work together, and they never signed a contract. And so Jonathan Heffler allegedly just kicked Tobias out and took all of his fonts, and Tobias had nothing from this, like, empire of fonts that they had built. I mean, I truly mean empire because their fonts are ubiquitous. They were, have been paid by newspapers to design fonts for them. And you see their, I see their work in logos all the time. The lay person would not know, but I, I I pay attention to these things. (laughs) Um, But they had this huge, like, knockdown drag out lawsuit and drama. um, And it was really interesting to follow. And that is why, friends, we sign contracts. Yeah, always always have a contract. It's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's really interesting. Yeah, but a huge bummer that he didn't get paid for his work. But yeah. they're now, I think that they put that behind them. They now each have a font foundry. Um, and they're both doing cool stuff still. So. so most of us are choosing fonts for the web these days rather than print. But can you explain the difference between choosing fonts for both? So... For example, it used to be recommended that serif fonts are best for print and sans serif are what you should use for the screens. I noticed that I see a lot more serif fonts on screens these days. So is that still the case of what's recommended? How do you choose when you have to do both? That definitely used to be the case. And the reason is that your LCD screen is made up of tiny bricks of red, green, and blue bricks. Did we talk about this in the color episode? I feel like we did. Possibly. <laughs> if we didn't, your computer screen is made up of these little bricks of light that emit red, green, and blue fonts. And so each brick is called pixel, and pixels are getting smaller. We have these retina display screens that have, you know, much better picture quality. Um, but back in the day, you didn't have as high resolution. And so when you were running a small font, you know, you can only fill one pixel with one color at a time so they were I describe it if you had a serif on the bottom of your letter and maybe it had some roundness to it it would if you made it too small that roundness would you know only be seen as a as one square and you kind of lose some of the detail of the font but with a sans serif font you don't have those feet so you don't you don't lose the information of the word in that sense. So that's why they hmm. used to kind of lean toward using sans serif fonts. But now that there's higher resolution, that's probably why you're seeing more serif fonts. But um, in print, they've usually preferred a serif font for books, for newspapers, because of the way that the feet form a line at the base is what we call the baseline of the of the word and it just keeps your eye on track so it's when you're reading a book you just seamlessly go to the next line the next line and the next line and those little feet are guiding you i'll be damned (laughs) it's a trick (laughs) keep reading the book (laughs) keep going keep reading i will keep reading um so we we just talked a little bit about this but you know, people are really taking notice of accessibility issues now and what that means for font choices. You know, so we just talked about, you know, if, if you're dyslexic, that Comic Sans is probably an easier print to read. Um, and I think in the past, this used to be just talking about large print books. But what is what all does accessibility really entail now when we're looking at web typography? Yeah, it's just all really good. I think design should be for everybody and that includes the people who don't have the same vision that I do or can't see color the way that I do I think it's it's so important and everybody's so different so it's it's so good that designers and the the web and website owners are taking notice of accessibility because we've been accommodating others for years and should have been doing it for a lot longer with wheelchair ramps and you know making sure there's bathroom on the first floor and elevators and 
all those all that really good stuff that we have in buildings we don't have that on the web or haven't um and for so for everybody the web is the storefront the web is the the first entry point before you ever even get to the office building so it's important that our, our web spaces are accommodating everybody but so that's the point of accessibility for for typography it's meaning fonts are larger you have more space between the lines or what we call line spacing in print it's called leading though that goes back to the printing press when they would put little pieces of lead between the lines that's where that word comes from um, but back to back to screens it they're just in general putting more thought into the reader experience they're looking at the font color what what the background color is and how much contrast there is because that is really important for people who may have like low vision or color blindness they need to still be able to see um, and you're seeing things in dark mode as well um, especially on the phone and on the computers now too so just being able to reverse the design is also really important um, and that's just good for everybody so you're not staring at a bright phone all the time um, those blue light glasses I think it's really interesting that everyone's suddenly doing dark mode because I remember it doesn't even seem like that long ago everybody was like oh my god white text on a black background is so bad for your eyes like people freaked out about it whenever they would come across a website that was with black background and white text it's true. And now everybody's doing dark mode instead. That's Everybody true. except for me. I, like, can't. I don't do dark mode either. I can't do it. I, I love the dark <laughs> mode. But it's different. It's not true black. It's not the true black hex code and the true white hex code. It's usually a really dark gray and a light gray because it's just a little bit easier on the eye. It's a little bit less contrast, mm -hmm. but enough that it's comfortable um, to read during the day or at night. I just switched my phone to dark mode yet again. I do this about once every three months and I'll probably switch it back in 30 minutes and I'm like, no, never mind. That's fair. It's fine. I keep trying. I have trying a couple it. things in dark mode and yeah, I don't know. I, I've gotten used it's to too it. too weird to me. It's comfortable for me, but I, I also like a little bit light sensitive, especially like in the first thing in the morning. I'm like, close the curtains i can't look outside yet <laughs> so that was really helpful for me in that like first hour of the day my eyes yeah. Steffi's the same way it's because she's a vampire yeah well that's that's true i yeah am i if i have too much light on my skin i burst into flames so <laughs> same i've been there with you Um, I'm in the process of building a new website and typography fonts are one of the decisions that I really struggle with, partially because I just see so many that I'm like, oh, that looks good. Ooh, that looks good. Ooh, that looks good. And then I just want to use all of them because they all look great, but I know that would be stupid. <laughs> so, uh, walk us through your process for coming up with the typography slash font concept for a project. Yeah, that's a good one. So... Going back to what I was talking about earlier, thinking about where you're going to be using it. Do you need, and, and how many fonts do you need? The answer is probably just two to three. Uh, most brands will have like a font for the text, like for a blog, it, you know, it'd be the, the text that the blog is written in, the blog post written in. And then you would have like a font or two in your logo, maybe three, hopefully just two. And then maybe another, maybe a third or fourth font for your headlines that would be for a blog but it's also true for you know a shop if you're building a website for them or um i don't know what kind of websites can you have <laughs> um <laughs> if you're or like a pamphlet or something yeah or for sure print sprint or a business yeah. card yeah you don't want to have too many fonts so and i had a project in in school that was really fun because we had to do a whole brand with just one font you know they have the font family, the whole typeface. I shouldn't say font. I should say typeface because you made me explain the difference earlier. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you had to design a whole brand around one font. And that was a fun challenge because you have the, the bolds and the thins. And so that's always a good place to start is to see what you can do with one typeface. You know, is that an, and that may or may not be enough for you. You could add a second font to support it, a third font uh, if you need 
then you also want to have a budget. I always recommend buying a font, buying the license. You, um, There are different licenses. I'm not going to get into the weeds and I'm not a lawyer, but there's different kinds of licenses for where you're going to use your font, how many people are going to be seeing it, things like that. Um, but for most things, most small businesses, you probably just need, you know, the basic or, or next to basic license. And you can also use free fonts. There are free fonts out there. I just caution anybody that, you know, somebody designed that. Is it, does it live somewhere? Can they get paid for it? Can you pay them? Um, and fonts can be expensive too. So knowing your budget and having that in mind, you know, going into this before you start picking it around. Otherwise, you'll be like, oh, I love this font, but it's $1,200. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would like so, the expensive fonts. <laughs> I know, I know. It happens to me every time. Um, but you can also, a lot of times, just buy one weight. So if you are making a logo, but you don't need the whole family, maybe the, the one weight is $100. Maybe that's a little bit more useful. They're not always that expensive. Sometimes you can get a weight for like 20 bucks. So uh, just depends. So then I would say start playing, start researching. My favorite place to look for fonts is called myfonts.com. They have, they work with a lot of individual uh, freelancers and just independent designers. They also work with the font foundries. You can find the work from Latino type on there for sure. And did I mention, I mentioned them earlier. They just work with tons of things and you can sort by I, I know I want a serif font, or I know I want a display font, or I know I want a script. You can start sorting by that, and then you know, kind of dive down into similar things. Also on my fonts, you can add your own word. If they'll start out with the pangrams. Pangrams are sentences that include every letter of the alphabet. Famous one being, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. And typographers love, 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 love to come up with other silly ones. Here's a couple that I found for you guys. Pack my box with five dozen liquor jugs. That's going to be your favorite. I know. (laughs) 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 Woven silk pajamas exchanged for blue quartz. I mean, they're just ridiculous. That's not even a bowl sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But the point of doing that is to see what letters look like in a word. Uh, you can also use lorem ipsum, and sometimes that's, which is like, we call that fa- like a fake Latin. It's not, it doesn't mean anything. It just looks like real letters uh, or real words, and they're they're pulled together in a way that isn't distracting because it just looks like it's another language, but you can see the letters being used in a natural way. And so that can be really helpful, especially if you're pick- picking a text font. Um, then... Another, another way that we as designers will check words is to make sure we like all the parts of the, of the typeface. So we'll pick a word that has ascenders, which are the, the stems that go up like you see in a lowercase h or lowercase b. Those are the ascenders. And then we look at the descenders like a g, a y, a p. Those are the letters that extend down below the baseline. So you want to look at a word like hamburger that has both ascenders and descenders and just see if you like how they look. Sometimes you'll have a visceral reaction to like only the ascenders and you're like, nope, not this font. Um, But it's something (laughs) to just keep an eye on and um, look at all the pieces of letters to see see what you're liking. Um, So um, checking that out is is the next step to picking a font that you like. Um, you can also, in my fonts, look for fonts with special features. So those are the ones that have extra characters and glyphs. If you're looking at looking for a script font, you might find ones that have like cute little banners that you can incorporate into your logo or little symbols or glyphs. Like, not wingdings, but better. <laughs> Um, so very quickly, not wingdings. Yes, yes. What if it's wingdings three? <laughs> you know, I have definitely used those on occasion. Because sometimes, like the the bullet character or the little star or whatever, is a good element to add mm-hmm. to something. So they um, there's another like fancier wingdings called 
Zaf dingbats, Z-A-P-F. Um, and that's what those are called. They're called dingbats. <laughs> they are. Um, they used to use them in letterpress. So they, there were little symbols. You'd sometimes see them at like the end of a chapter or the you know the top of a page and things like that. So that would little symbols, and they're part of the font because they were a piece of the the whole uh, what's the word the whole font and the and the letterpress. Um, so sometimes you can look for those special features. Another special feature that I like to look for, and it depends on what I'm designing, but if it's a logo and if there are certain letter combinations in the word, then you might want to look for something that, for fonts that have ligatures. So ligature is when two letters connect. A good example of this would be an F, a lowercase f, and a lowercase i. So when you have those two letters together, you know, the, the F kind of loops around and it starts where the, the dot, which is the dot on the I is called the tittle. A fun fact. Try not to <laughs> laugh. <laughs> it's one of our fun jokes. So um, the F starts where the, where the tittle is and typographers used to make special characters for, um, for the letterpress because they would Otherwise, you would have this kind of like awkward space from where the F block ended and the I block started. So they would make special blocks that would have the F and the I together. And so the F, the like the serif of the F would kind of start where the dot of the I is. And so the letters then kind of become connected and that's called a ligature. Um, I think that's also a term in music where you like loop two sounds together, it's called mm -hmm. a ligature. So that is a fun feature to look for if you have letters that connect. S and T is another one. Um, C and H, uh, cap sorry, capital C and lowercase H, uh, T, lowercase T and lowercase I. So all those that kind of, you probably the ones that when you're writing, you that connect, um, like just because you forgot to lift your pen up. Those are kind of the same letters that end up being the ligatures. Uh, so those are fun. And then if you're picking, you know, more than one font, you might, you want to look for fonts that go together. Uh, there's a website that I like called Type Wolf, and you can start with a font that, I mean, they don't have every font in there, but they have the, a lot of the main ones that you're going to be seeing on different websites. And so you grab one of those and you can see what it looks like with similar fonts or it's maybe it's a serif and you want to see what sans serifs go with it so that's another place to look for and then my last tip for that is just supporting designers especially minority designers uh, there are some cool things on the my fonts website and i've also got some typography uh, links for you guys to to share with your listeners um, some different blogs that have some interviews with different type designers just to I know, lift up the little guy. If love you can. That. I love that. So what are some good resources for people who want to learn more about typography? If they're like me and their minds have been blown. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many out there. My One of my favorite books is called Thinking with Type by Ellen Lupton. She is a professor at um, Maryland Institute College of Art. And she's just an incredible designer, and she really studied the history of the letter forms, and she does a really good job of explaining all the parts of the letters and how they work in a word, how they work in a paragraph, how they work on a page. And so that book is um, a really nice look at an overview of it's really pretty too. It's just fun to look at and see how these different fonts look in these different formats. So that's a that'd be my first pick is if if you want a cool book to look at, thinking with type. And then there are some fun um, games out there that you can like play around with letters. Uh, there's one that I like called it's called the kerning game, and you can play around with getting the exact best. Um, mathematical measurement between two letters that was kind of like a silly 
silly thing to try if you want to try your hand at getting getting the spacing just right. Um, and then my fonts, the huge repository of fonts, has a really good newsletter, and they're always good, so good about um, interviewing designers and teaching you about some of the fonts that they have in their repertoire because it's literally huge and overwhelming. Um, and my my favorite design blog is called Brand New, and that is a great place to look at some logos and logo redesigns. And so what they'll do is they'll look at brands that redesigned, like for example, Pfizer, the, like the vaccine company just rebranded. And so you can go on there and see what their old logo was and compare it with their new logo. And then designers vote on like how well they did it. It's a fun one. That's cool. I always liked looking at that when people, I remember when Gap changed their logo and people like freaked out. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. There's some, like when Slack, the um, the app changed their logo, that one always had some visceral, visceral reactions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Change is bad. Ah! <laughs> I was just thinking of when Google, and then when Google changed all of their nonsense yeah (laughs) i love google though because their logo they let their logo change with the google doodle every day i think that's Mm -hmm. such a it's something we've come to expect we go to google it has no logo for the day and it's easy to ignore but they're they're so fun to like look at and see how they picked a different font for the day or sometimes no letters at all um and they still stay true to their colors It's, it's kind of a fun approach to the brand yeah um, I think that's really fun especially because a lot of the times they use that space now to um drive awareness to mm -hmm. people from history or like holidays or things around the world like yeah and activism and Mm -hmm. um you know climate change or whatever um stuff is happening so I think it's it's really cool and they also have a really cool um contest that they do with kids to do the Google Doodle and they get, I think they get like a scholarship or something. I don't remember, but yeah, I always think that's really fun. Yeah. Um, so you kind of covered a bunch of these already, but what other websites do you have recommendations for to help you choose fonts? My fonts for sure. Type Wolf is the other one I mentioned where you can compare two different fonts. There's another one that I love that's kind of silly, but it's called Type Connection and it's like a font dating game. And you can start with a font and then um, that that's in its repertoire and then you pick a pair for it. And so that's a fun one to sort of play around with. Um, if you ever want to know what a font is, there's a uh, my font has a tool called uh, What the Font. And you can upload a picture of something and it'll try to help you figure out what it might be or help you find something similar. So that one's kind of fun too. Love that. Well, thank you again for joining us for a second time and helping us nerd out about some design stuff. You legitimately blew my mind tonight. (laughs) I learned so much. I feel so much smarter. (laughs) I feel kind of dumb that I didn't know some of these things or hadn't thought about these things before, but I feel so much smarter now. So today's not lost because I learned something. So (laughs) let's wrap up the week with some joy. What is bringing you joy today, Susanna? Um, the weather. That sounds so lame, but it is so nice out, and I've been enjoying my lunches on our back patio the last couple of days. And it's so weird, but like, I have not been wanting to go outside because it's been cold, and now it's not, and it's just so exciting and just so small. <laughs> but I just love it, and I hope you guys get some warm soon. <laughs> It's been actually pretty nice. It rained yeah. today, but um, the weekend was really nice. It was gorgeous over the weekend. So I and Good. and yesterday was nice and sunny and yeah, gotten to take the baby to go swing a little bit at the park down from our house, and that's been really nice. So yeah, I agree. Just a little, just a little sun. It's amazing what some sunshine and just some like slightly warmer weather can do. Mm-hmm. My dog is so sad today, though, because it was raining and she didn't get to, like, spend as much time outside today. <laughs> she just kept looking at me and I'm like, I can't help you. I'm so sorry. I can't fix this. I can't stop the rain. <laughs> just go to sleep. It'll all be better when you wake up. Oh. 
<laughs> Steffi, what's bringing you joy? So over the weekend, you and I did a research mission. We went to Costco for our next episode. Spoiler alert. And uh, so we went to Costco, which is about like 40 minutes from where we live. And then a few minutes from there is a coffee shop that you had never been to before. Um, And I know the owners and they're really cool people. And so we stopped by. They had just launched their spring menu and we got to, we stopped by there and I got to see the owner was there and so I got to say hi and introduce you to her and um, it was sunny and warm so we sat outside and had a little lunch and um, our drinks and it was just a nice little time and that brought me a lot of joy this weekend. It was almost like life was normal. It was almost like life was normal. Yes. It was so very, it's so, we're like so, so close. I could taste it. Yeah. <laughs> it was d- quite delightful. <laughs> Megan, how about you? Um, so I would say this is an ongoing joy, but the little local spice shop mm. brings me a lot of joy because I go there quite often because he, he's always introducing new products and I cannot resist fancy food shit so, <laughs> I go there like every couple of weeks and drop a hundred dollars it's fine um but so because I have been buying all these things I just have all these wonderful little treasures in my pantry now and they're really fun to just open up and like taste whatever the new thing is I had a I think it's a Raka chocolate I think that's how you say it um have really cool interesting flavors and it's really good quality dark chocolate and then I opened a new bottle of chili crisp which I really love and I know the internet has been going crazy for during lockdown um and then he's got this whole line of like fancy charcuterie and I have been really enjoying like having a little snack of that every one few days or so so uh it's just a really ongoing joy and I realized the other day that if he like starts selling cheese then like I will never have to go to another grocery store again <laughs> I will just buy all my food Ruben you are Burlington now my Spice grocer Works. thank you right that's perfect yeah, well I've because been... he's been expanding all of his offerings and I'm like you're basically now like the gourmet grocery store in town it's amazing. I haven't been over there in a little while. Um, I need to go. I need to go pop over and oh, get so much refills on some things. I am so excited. Yeah, I love him. I was so excited when he opened. I like popped over there when they first opened the store, maybe like two years ago now, and he was just like so grateful for anyone that was like spreading the word, and his business has just popped and I'm so happy for him because I'm like this is amazing because it is one of those places we don't live in a huge town and if you can't find it at like the Jewel or the Hy-Vee you're probably gonna have to order on the internet and now we can go over to Spice Works and they most likely have the like weird unusual gourmet things that you can't find at the regular store so <laughs> I love it so much yeah, he's got, like, so many things that are, like, I've never heard of before. And I've been working in food for, like, a long time. So <laughs> I'm just like, please tell me about this. He has some sort of banana thing that I definitely cannot eat at all. But I was like, I need to know what this I, is. I just want you to tell me all about it. I know. I'll, like, often just <laughs> right. be like, I'll, like, take something up to the counter. And I'll be like, tell me about this thing. He's like, do you have a specific question? I'm like, no. Just tell no. me everything I need to know about this thing. <laughs> The last time I went to, I brought Max with me, and he had, um, he had like little pate de free, uh-huh. pate, little things like single serve whatevers. Mm-hmm. And I asked Max if he wanted one. He's like, "Are they free?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> this fancy candy is not free, child. No, but I will. I will buy you graciously one. buy one for you, kid. <laughs> Uh, bless their oh, hearts. kids are funny. That's adorable. 
Well, so next week, we already spoiled. We are talking about one of our favorite stores, Costco. All the deals and all the giant things. But we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the best tips and tricks and things that you have to grab if you have a Costco near you. So in the meantime, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and listen to us on your favorite platform. You can also follow us on social media at IRSI Podcast or send us an email at I'd rather stay in podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Bye.